sing of your power and your might here in this place this morning. So I pray that would be the thing that's first on our mind, despite whatever else is going on, that we can take a moment, that we can praise you for you, and that we can praise you for how how you respond to us when we need you. So God, I'm excited to continue singing your power and your might. We love you, and we trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Within your glory 
Amen. Hear the, hear the word of the Lord. Romans 8 says this, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That is the Jesus that we worship. Amen. That is the Jesus that we sing to because he is alive and reigning. And with that, turn to the person next to you and say hello. church. Morning. I love that. Hey guys, it's good to, it's good to see you all and you guys sound great. I love worshiping with you. Um, If you pass the friendship folders at this point and and just write your name in there, we appreciate that. Pray over that list and it's just, man, it's just a good, it's a good day to be alive. And a couple things are coming up just on your calendar. Uh, One uh, we have coming up our uh, next steps, which is today, uh, right after the second service. It's going to be in the gym. Uh, there's uh, just going to be a time of connecting, a time of uh, just really helping people take their next step, whether it's membership and joining the church or asking more information about Crossroads, getting to know Pastor Ken and different staff members. And so we're going to be in the gym uh, after the second service uh, today. And uh, it's going to just be a great time uh, connecting, helping everybody take their next step. And then Coming up on the 21st and the 22nd of February, we are going to be having our Art of Marriage Conference, and this is an opportunity for us to just pour into our marriages, to pour into our marriages using the best thing, which is the Word of God. And so Family Life is going to be uh, facilitating this. It's going to be at the Crown Plaza across the street from South Hills Village, and then we as Crossroads will be hosting it. Pastor Ken and Rhonda will be hosting it, and it's going to... It's going to be a good time. Anything with the Art of Marriage Conference that people need to know? You can sign up online or you can sign up in the lobby. You can talk to Crystal. But any encouragement with that? Hello? There you go. (laughs) Do it. That's what I thought (laughs) you were going to say. That's what I got for you. Just do it. Sign up. It took me 25 years to get Ken to go to this conference with me. Um, because he said that if we were in trouble, he'd let us know. <laughs> but it's not for that. It is just to enrich your marriage and to just to have a good time and reconnect with each other. And he'll even tell you those are the best things we ever did. So good. Huh? He'll tell you more about how he really felt about it. <laughs> no, I love that. So sign up in the lobby or online. Rhonda, you got another informa- got some more information for us, I right? I do. How is everybody today? Good. It's so good to see you. <laughs> Hey, you know Crossroads Ministries, it's all about bringing you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we are going to be kicking off um, our life groups. It's like a relaunch of some life groups. Many of you are involved in life groups already, but I wanted to tell you a little bit what they're about and how you can become a part of them. You know, when you come in our doors through our church, a lot of times you're coming week after week, and you're kind of longing maybe for more. Like, how can I actually get connected? It seems like we're a family here, but I'm just, I want a little bit more. I want to feel more connected. And so what we have here is we have life groups. So I want you to put in your mind, Monday night, February 3rd. 
There's information on our website. We're also going to have some um, forms that you can fill out next week. But there's also forms online that you can fill out. What this is, is this going to be an informational meeting for anybody that's interested in becoming or being a part of a life group. What a life group is, it is actually a group of people coming together once a week, um, maybe twice a month, and just really kind of doing life together. We try to put you in groups of um, maybe what stage of life you're in, whether you're in a maybe retiring stage and and you're just kind of looking for friendships in that area. Um, Like Ken and I, we've got children that are graduated out of college and graduating, and that's our phase of life, but also a lot of you are just raising littles and trying to survive. And so what we want to do is kind of connect you with a group of maybe 10 to 12 people that you can just become a part of life together. Um, A couple things that we do do is when Ken does his sermon series here on Sundays and Saturdays, what we do is we then shoot some questions to a life group leader and you dig a little bit deeper. So if there's things that Ken has said here on Sunday morning and you're like, man, I wish we could just talk about that a little bit more. That's what your life group would do. They'd get together and they just would really dig in and talk about that. And as you're talking, you're building friendships, you're building community, and you're just really growing in Christ. A couple other things that we have coming up is we are going to be having some classes. Um, One of them is going to be a discovery class. And what that is, that's for people that maybe are new believers or people that are kind of like, you know what, I love Jesus. I love church. What do I do now? Um, It's just kind of maybe taking those baby steps of, okay, Jesus is my Savior, or I'm really, really wanting to know what that is all about, we have classes that are coming up. And it just opens the whole Bible, opens the world for you to see what this new relationship with Jesus Christ is about. We're going to be having Financial Peace University. All of us have to have money to survive. Some of us do great with it. Some of us aren't so great all the time. But we want to show you how God has given us the finances and how you can live a life that is eventually financially free. So we have those coming up. We have some parenting classes coming up. So we have a lot of things coming up in the future. But I do want you to remember the date, February 3rd. It's a Monday night. We're going to have forms in your bulletin next week. Go online on our website. Fill that information out. And then we'll contact you. And that will be the start of something that is hopefully brand new for you and a way that you can really feel connected to just the body of Christ here at Crossroads Ministry. We love you guys. We want you to feel like family, and this is a great way to do it. So everybody, like I said, do it. (laughs) Have a good day, everybody. Awesome. Thanks, Rhonda. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive our offering, and I just want to say thank you for giving to the birthday gift that Jesus, as a church, we, we partner together to give to this incredible incredible mission and to be on mission together and i just want to share with you it keeps going people look at this update almost one hundred fifty thousand dollars has come in can we just thank god so 100 percent of what comes in is 100 percent of what goes out local national international ministries and missionaries all over will be impacted this is the body of christ you know, we were just reading about Paul and, and young adults this morning in the class, and we were reading about Paul, and he's writing letters, and, and he was, you know, he had to build support, and it just is incredible to, to know that these people who 
receive the call from God to go where all, all over, locally, nationally, internationally, we get to be a part of their ministry and what God is doing. And so it is such a privilege to be on mission with you all. Please, you can feel free. You can continue to give. People are still giving to the birthday gift of Jesus. You can do so by the envelopes in front of you. Uh, you can do so online. Uh, there's, a, there's a little um, page on our front page. You can give online as well. Uh, but please feel continue to give to the birthday gift of Jesus and everything that comes in is going to go out. And so we're, we're really, really looking forward to just continue to bless these missionaries as they continue to receive this call from God. Uh, as we continue on this morning, let's uh, go before the Lord and just pray over this offering that we're about to give. If you're new with us, please feel free to let the play pass. This is for those who call this church their home. Uh, you're welcome to participate. Uh, guys, God is so good. Let's continue to just worship him this morning. Jesus, we love you. And uh, just as we've read in your word just a few minutes ago in Romans 8, God, you've set us free from our sin. Because of your son's death on the cross, you've set us free. And so, Lord, as we just continue to worship you this morning with, um, with our, our, our tithes and offerings, God, would you just help us to recognize through your spirit's leading that we're a part of something greater, and that is your mission your hand is so at work and we are humbled to watch what you're doing over $150,000 has come in and we are just blown away thank you Jesus please receive these offerings and just know that um, we're a part of something greater and that's your work thank you for loving us we ask all things in the power and precious name of Jesus Christ That's what we're trying to live a life is unhurried. Uh, you know, yesterday it was 70 degrees outside. Wasn't that wonderful? And I was hurried all day. Uh, you know, and I, I was hurried because I had to had to take the Christmas lights down yesterday. Did anybody have to do that at your house? You took the Christmas lights. All right, three of you. The rest of you, you're up till March, right? So, uh, you know, it, it, I, I look at the weather. I'm the guy who looks at the weather and waits for it to be nice, and that's the day I take them down, uh, or else I'll wait for the next nice day. So I had to take down my mom's decorations. Now, hers could have stayed up till March. It wouldn't bother me. But I had to get mine down. So I was like, you know, we got, we got to get this done. We got this done. And then there was like five other projects I wanted to get done because it was 70 degrees. And it's like, you know, when you're in Pittsburgh, that is the last nice day. That is a fluke. You know, it was the, they said it was the warmest day recorded in 130 years in Pittsburgh in January. Isn't that cool? Thank you, Lord. God is so good, right? But I'll tell you what, we, we, we get rushed and we get hurried. I was driving my car 
And I'm, and I'm on the way up here yesterday to, to come to Saturday night service. And, you know, I just didn't click in the seatbelt. Did you ever do that? Get in, just, just get moving, you just forget that thing. And, and I was just a little bit hurried. And I'm on my way up here. And as I'm coming, I notice my wife is passing me, heading towards our house. And I'm going away. So I just kind of glance in the, in the mirror. And it's like, wow, where's she going? She should be following me, right? You know? And, and as, I, as I pull out there, all of a sudden a deer comes darting out. And, man, I'm only going 15 miles an hour in my neighborhood, right? But when you hit your when you hit the brake, like thinking you're going to hit a deer and you don't have a seatbelt on, do you know what happens to your body? It just catapults. I mean, it just it just goes over. I was enjoying the steering wheel lunch that I had there. It was wonderful, you know. And you just kind of land over that thing. When we are hurried, nothing good happens. Nothing good happens when we're in a hurry. There are times that we have to be urgent. We have to move swiftly. But uh, nothing good happens. My best work rarely happens when I'm in a hurry, when I'm rushing it and just pulling life together. And this can happen in so many ways. I was reading a story about a, a CEO of a company who found that out, that whenever he hurried, that it really, really messed up some big things in his company. We'll give this guy, his name is John, we'll say. And uh, he seemed successful. Everything he did was a successful person. He was known for his successful leadership. People loved him in business. He was a great leader of his company. He had a, he had a large company. It was a growing company. And uh, he's, he's on the verge of a big deal. He's getting ready to make a really big deal for his company. He's going, he's going up against a really large company. It's an international company, multinational company. He could, uh, there's a lot at stake as he goes in to make some business decisions. And as he goes in before his board, he's sitting and one of his board members comes to him. His, uh, one of his board members will call his name George. And so George comes up to him and hears about the deal that he's about to make. And he says, listen, I would like to ask you to take one week. George was a good friend of his. He he had a good relationship with him. There was kind of this father-son type of uh, friendship relationship as far as advice giving. He really uh, would listen to him. He's a wise advisor. And so as George would give advice, he would through the years typically listen. But now he's frustrated because he has one. He wants to he wants to do this once. Uh, you know, he wants he wants one week, and he's thinking, man, I don't want to miss this deal. This, this could mean millions for our company. And so George says, uh, listen, I want you to, I want you to give me one week. I got to do diligence. I'm going to go home. I want to research the details and just make sure this is really a good deal. So the CEO reluctantly agrees to it and, and, uh, he goes, you know, they part their ways and he says, all right, I'll put this thing on hold. In the meantime, uh, the CEO is really upset. He's, he's antsy. Everybody knows that he's living on edge. He's just, uh, he, he's just, he's really wanting this deal to go through. So he's, he keeps getting pressure from the other company. He hears that there's another company moving in on him, like he could lose this deal. And as he's going through the process, he sends a, he calls over to his, to his board member, and his board member doesn't get back to him. Uh, he sends him an email, he sends him a text, and so George doesn't get back to him. And uh, as they're going through this, he's really tense. He goes down to the day, one week to the day, and he says, all right, I'm going to take matters into my own hands now. He wakes up on that day. He doesn't hear from George, so he goes on ahead. He makes a few phone calls, puts it all in place, and he makes the deal. He says, all right, I've waited a week. George didn't get back to me, and, and I, I, just, I just can't take the thought of losing this kind of money, right? So he goes in, he does it. A few hours later, George shows up to his office suddenly, unexpectedly. says, hey, listen, John, I'm so glad you didn't take that deal. 
I'm glad you gave me one week because I went and I researched and I found that there were some details that were not visible to, to you. And as we uncovered it, this is a bad deal. This would hurt your company. This would hurt our company. As a matter of fact, if you would have signed that, we'd be in a terrible shape right now. Your head would be on a platter from the board's perspective. And John's jaw dropped. He had rushed to make a decision. He didn't wait. And you see, that this is what happens in our life. When we rush, it is so easy for us to rush a decision. You can rush anything in your life. And when we're in rush mode, you rarely are seeing all the picture. You are rarely, uh, your heart is rarely in the right place. Uh, his heart was, this guy's heart was after the big goal. And he was going after the big stuff. And listen, that's fun and that's tense and that's, Big decisions, and man, those are hard things to do, but he rushed it. And so I want to encourage you today, there's a lot of biblical examples. As you look through the Bible, you see people over and over and over that were rushed. And when they rushed a decision, whenever they rushed uh, uh, and moved too fast, we see that God didn't work like they thought he was going to work. Like they, they had a plan. They thought God was going to do this. And then they rush it and they take matters into their own hands. Well, check this out here. Over in the book of First Samuel, you find First uh, Samuel chapter 13, you find about Saul. Saul was the first king, first king of Israel. And uh, he's up against the Philistines. The Philistines, he says in, in 1 Samuel 13, uh, verse 5, he says, They were as the grains of the sand on the seashore. They had all their military was against them, their chariots, their warriors. It was, uh, it was an incredible place. Uh, they saw the, the enemy coming on them. And what did the children of Israel do? What did the men of Israel do? They went and they hid. They ran. They were in fear. They saw the problem. They saw the drama. Uh, they saw potential uh, pain, uh, devastation. And the Scripture says that they hid in the caves and the thickets and the rocks, the holes and the cisterns. Some of them, uh, some of them just kind of ran away. So here comes now in verse 8. This is very interesting. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Saul was the king, Samuel was the prophet. All right, so Samuel would come, and Samuel was going, he said, listen, wait, seven days I'll be there, and we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord, we're gonna, I'm going to give this offering. And when a prophet would speak, it was God speaking. Like when a prophet came and gave the word, it was, this is what God says. So Saul waits for the prophet to come, and he doesn't show up in time. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel instructed, but, Saul, uh, but Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. Verse 9, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. You see, what happened was he took matters into his own hands. And just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Isn't that interesting how that always happens? Like just, just, just whenever you take matters into your own hand, boy, all of a sudden the answer comes. It's a, there's an interesting lesson there because when we're hurried to take matters in our own hand, when we're hurried to go and do life on our own and make decisions according to our own way, what we think is the right thing, and I've got to take it and I've got to take it now, this is when the problem comes. So uh, Samuel said, what is it that you have done? Saul replies, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines, uh, they were ready for battle. So I said, 
The Philistines are ready to march against us. I haven't even asked for the Lord's help, so I felt compelled to offer burnt offerings myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. How foolish. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God. Uh, Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. Wow. Folks, there was a time, he, like God was going to do something big, and God says, listen, you rushed it. Saul, you want it in your timing. Saul, you can have your timing. Your kingdom comes to an end. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. Wow, folks, I think we are all in that position in life. We are all tempted to hurry life. We are all tempted to hurry God's timetable. We're all tempted. We believe that like God didn't do what I think he should do when he should have done it. So therefore, I hurry life. So the unhurried life is not about necessarily lesser of a schedule. Remember I said Jesus kept a full schedule. It's not laziness. Jesus was not lazy. Jesus was unhurried. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of my heart saying, okay, God, I, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust you. I can, I can trust your time. I, can, I know that your presence was with, is with me even though I want it and I want it now. We're Americans. We want it and we want it now, don't we? Did, did you ever wait for anything? You know, I waited two minutes the other day for uh, hot chocolate in a microwave and I lost my mind. Two minutes. There's something wrong, you know? <laughs> I've, I've had a microwave for 40 years. And it's just like, what, you mean I, I, I got crazy because I had to wait for hot water to heat up. Like, no, cold water had to heat up. You know? Like, what's wrong? And, and so this is what happens in our life. And as, as immature and funny as that sounds on a microwave level, when we see that the God of the universe has got all of life together, he has laid out, he said, I've died on the cross, I've paid for your sin, I proved who I am by rising from the dead, I have given you all the tools to help you live your life according to the way I've called you to live your life, and you are going to get anxious over a couple years, over a couple months. Wow, God. We need your help. We need the help of the Almighty God to change us so that we don't live an unhurried life. Uh, Listen, God is always working. And the thing that you're waiting for right now, you're so tempted to take matters into your own hands and and, and to say, okay, I'm I'm going to do this because if I don't do it, I'll never get that. God says, hmm, there's a bigger story. Jesus was unhurried in the temptation of Christ. We see some powerful, uh, powerful temptation of how Jesus was tempted to be hurried. He was tempted to move God's timetable. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to move God's timetable. Uh, he, he was, remember, he just come off, he was, bar- um, he was baptized. Jesus was baptized. It's the beginning of his public ministry. And God the Father, there was an audible voice, and it comes from the heavens, and it says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And everybody's standing around, and they're in awe that God the Father says, This is His Son. He is well pleased. And then 
He goes off and the Spirit of God leads him into a wilderness. Like when you're thinking about God and how He's working in your life and you want the blessing of God, you think of bliss. You think of happy, eternal springs and this oasis of joy. Jesus was led into the wilderness. Mark chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he was baptized. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. God takes him to a dry place. And I want, there's a big lesson here, folks. God sometimes will lead us into a dry place. Why? Because he's God. And he knows that that dry place is what you need to bring your eyes to him. Wait a minute. This is his only son in whom he is well pleased. He took him to the dry, lonely desert. Now check this out. Continuing on. Jesus ate nothing all the time. All that time, and he became very hungry. Luke turns on the light for us so we can see the humanity of Jesus here. Like we've seen the godness. Now we see the manness. When Jesus didn't eat, he got hungry. Could you imagine? 40 days. Can you imagine how unhurried you'd be if you didn't eat for 40 days? That's near starvation. I've known a few people who have tried it. It's near starvation. As a matter of fact, I I read some scholars said that Luke was actually telling this so that you could see that he was just about starving to death. If I go 40 hours without eating, it's a miracle. 40 hours without eating, I get what is called hangry. Actually, if I skip lunch, I get hangry, right? If I go till 12.15, you get hangry, right? Because it's like, oh, you got to have that, right? Jesus goes 40 days without eating. And he's, he's, here's what's happened. He's in a lonely place. Wow. He is isolated. He has just come off the, the big event. God the Father says, this is my Son, the Son of God. I am pleased. And now he is isolated. He is tired. He is lonely. And he's just off of a great victory. And folks, there's something for us to catch here because... Satan will always tempt us in those areas. When you are tired is an extreme time. Put your guard up. That's when Satan loves to come. When you are isolated, when you are alone, that is when Satan comes to attack. When you are lonely, you need somebody. That's when Satan comes to attack. When you are just off of a great victory, like you've just come off of this victory, that is how That is when God says that you will be attacked. We see it from Jesus' life, and you are easily attacked during those moments. Temptation number one. Check this out here. Grab what you need. Have you ever heard that statement, well, I have needs too? It's a big temptation, isn't it? 
The temptation is just to, just to be the provider. Like, I'm going to provide. And many times we want to provide our needs in relationships. We want to provide our needs in finances and, you know, and, and emotional stability, all this stuff. We want to be the provider. And we have a way that we think can provide it. And, and when we go to take that provision, that's the temptation. You, you see, temptation comes from, here's, here's what I want and here's when I actually get it. And so, so you think that you have this need. I have this need over here, but that temptation is in between here. And, and many times God says, I've got something better for you. Like, I've got something way better for you than what you think that you could take over here. And you want to take it right now. But if you just wait and hang in there, that's where addictions fall. An addicted life, it just speeds up this process. You, uh, you just go boom, 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 boom. And you go back and forth from that from that moment of I want it now to I have to have it now. And Jesus here, it goes through the similar temptation. Could you just imagine being 40 days without eating? I don't know when the first temptation happened, if it was on the, on the last day of the 40 or if it was in the third week or the second week. I, all I know is I'll tell you what, after a week you're pretty hungry. Uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. You see what he's doing? Satan is coming after his identity. The Father just said in chapter 3, You are the Son of God. I am well pleased. And then, now we have a problem. Satan gets him. He's alone. He's hurting. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And so why would he say that? Like, why, what's the big deal? Why, what, why is it wrong to just turn them stones into bread? Like, like he could have done that. He had all the powers of heaven on his side. I mean, he, he was God. So Satan was coming to him and said, I want you to move the timeline of God. You need this and you need it now. And guess what? If you haven't eaten for 30 days, you certainly need bread. You certainly need some food. And the temptation was for him to take and, and to use his godness for selfish motive, uh, to, to, uh, to move the plan of God. God wanted him in that wilderness for a time of preparation. How many times do we resist the time of God's preparation in our life? God put Moses in a, in a wilderness for 40 years. Like, he said, I'm going to use you. And he sends him to this wilderness for 40 years. And, and so this is where Jesus was. It was his 40-day period before his three-year ministry would launch. And, and then he would go through more suffering at the end of that ministry. The first temptation, check us out. The very first temptation uh, ever given was on food. Did you know that? Adam and Eve, there was an apple. Well, I can't say an apple. It was a tree. We don't know what it was. It was the fruit that God said, don't eat of that tree, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, now, now think about this. God had given him everything else. Everything else is there. And he says, there's one tree. Just, just don't eat this tree. They, they, I, I could just envision, like, here's this one tree that they couldn't eat of. And, and there was this other tree with all this incredible fruit, like, feet away. They, they could have been over here just eating this. But Satan comes and he, and he tempts them. And he says, listen, if God... 
If God really says who he is, God's hiding something from you. Do you see what happens? Satan comes with the word if on every one of God's promises. God has every promise, every promise in the scripture he's given to you. And Satan comes and says, if, 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 oh, you really think following God? Well, if he was God, don't you think he would have? And we go through this thing, and what happens? We want to take provision for ourselves, and we want to make this something that, that, that we can handle, that we can take. Uh, we, we all have this thing, and I've heard this over and over. I've heard that statement, well, I have needs too. I've heard that, that word needs come up in relationships. Uh, people make some really foolish decisions because they have needs. And I'm like, wait a minute, do you understand your family, your life, your world is going to be rocked, but you have needs? And, and so, and so we, we take the word needs, and so what happens is we, we come to this, this idea that I'm going to work, and I'm going to take what is rightfully mine, and, and whatever it is, whether it's something in a relationship, something in a career, something in the community, whatever, there's a need there that you go after, and, and God says, for example, in, in the confines of your relationship of family, right, of your marriage, like God says, just trust me, I'm your God, I will meet your needs, even when your husband or your wife can't. I, I'm here for you. I'm greater than all of this. And so what happens is we come over here and we keep working and then we say that we have more needs. And then uh, we have this vicious cycle where we're on this treadmill and we keep working and we keep going after our needs. So th- th- this could be financially and you just, you're, you're, you're building your career you're building your, your life. You're, you're, you're going after it. You're saying, I, I can get more. And I know I can get more. And I know I can get more. And I know I can get more. And, and where does it stop? And, and listen, God gave us our careers. I believe that we're supposed to work. The Scripture says to work as unto the Lord. Like we're supposed to work hard. We go to work. When you go to work for your boss, you're not working for that boss. You're working for God Almighty. So if you leave an hour early... You've cheated God. You haven't cheated your boss. You cheated God. I was talking with somebody the other day. They were telling me about managing people. And they said that, uh, that they had a hard time managing people because, you know, everybody's always complaining, well, I got the sniffles, I got this, I got that. And, uh, and this person was like, well, this is just how it's going to be. And I said, yeah, I, I get it. And then, then I went home and I was thinking, wait a minute, as believers... We work hardly as unto the Lord, and, and God's called us to do this. So, so I'm not talking about not working hard. I'm not talking about not giving your all. I'm not talking about sacrificing dreams and plans. But I am saying that we've got to trust God's timing. And so when there, there's, there's a need, we can easily take it. If Jesus would have taken this bread, these stones and turned them into bread, we would have had a massive problem because Jesus would have sinned right there. But Jesus says no, and how does he combat? He says, it is written. What he did was he took the word of God. In the Old Testament, the, the, the nation of Israel, God releases the nation of Israel out of slavery. They're, they're the slaves under Egypt. God takes them out. They go into the desert. And God says, listen, I want you to be my people. I want you to follow me. I'm going to provide for you. And he did. He provided manna. He gave them Bread from heaven, right? So this manna would be there for them. And, and so they would constantly, their needs were always met. He takes them up and he says, I want you to go into the promised land. He's promised them a land. That's what they're all fighting on right now in the Middle East, is the land that God promised. 
And so you look at that, you look at the land that he promised. He told them to go in and take the land. And he, and what happened was they sent some spies in to go and take the land. And whenever they, the spies come out, they said, oh, we can never take this land. This is too big. This is too, too, too crazy. Look, look at, look at all that's happened here. This is not good. We can't, we can't take this land. And, uh, and these, these people are, are no good. Uh, the, the, the enemy's too large. We can't, we can't deal with this. And so, what he does is God says, because they didn't obey, they didn't trust God at his word, guess what God does? God says, you're going to wander in the wilderness. You're going to wander in the desert. And they wander for 40 years. And if you go trace their movements, you take a Bible map and you trace the movements between Egypt and the current promised land, they just wandered and wandered and wandered for 40 years. Man shall live not by emotion. Not by feeling, not by what you think is right, but by the Word of God. God's Word. This is how we combat. Listen, folks, how do we combat the enemy? How do we deal with temptation? Is not with willpower. Okay? I cannot stand up against Satan, and neither can you. You need the Word of God to stand up against Satan. I can't stand up against a piece of chocolate cake. What makes me think I could stand up against Satan? It is written. Jesus says it is written. He goes to Deuteronomy. What he did was he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He says, it is written. And so this is what you need whenever you're going out. You've got to hide God's word in your heart, and your man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Um, it's easy for us to get on this. And then you can, you can live your life on this treadmill. You can keep this thing going over and over and over, and you'll just live there. You'll, you'll be like on the hamster wheel where I, I see my need, and i got to get it, and i got to get it now. And that's not always what God is doing. Sometimes God has a delay. Sometimes there's a wait. God says, listen, I'll, I will meet your needs. I will be your supplier. So God wants you to come back and trust him. He's the supplier. He's the one who meets your needs. The British preacher Campbell Morgan once said that persecution was the devil's second best tactic. His best tactic is materialism. And we in the West have been sleepwalkers in our faith far too long, forgetting in the midst of a life, forgetting that in the midst of a life of material ease and manic busyness that we are even, that we are even in a spiritual battle. Sometimes we think it's only about the stuff. Sometimes we think it's only about the things, the, the places, the, all these things that we can see. In the meantime, there's, a, there's an unseen war that's happening all over this place. It's a spiritual battle. And God is doing something more than you can see. I am so thankful to God for, for what He's done in this church. I, I see people that are growing and we're, we're, we're trusting God Almighty. And, and as, as we trust God Almighty, we don't have to take the need we take the God. Remember this. These are gifts that God gives to you, not something that you take. Mm. Think about that. Your career is not something that you take. It's something that God gives to you. Your family is not something that you take. It's something that God gives to you. And we've got to come and not look at the gift. We've got to look at the giver. And we keep coming back there. And so, so this is what he's called us to do here. It's easy. Some people think if I possess more and I consume more that I've got the life more, more life. 
And Jesus says, hmm, that may not be. Uh, you're supposed to work hard. Work is unto the Lord. God is your provider. And when you understand that, you'll have life. The second temptation is to take charge. Take charge. I'm in control. Did you ever, did you ever, you know who's in control in your house, right? Do you know who the controllers are? Some of you getting elbowed right now, you know? Not me, you know? Who's the controller in your house? Who's the brother or sister that's the controller at family reunions, you know? You go to the family reunion and everybody's sitting there going, I wonder what he's going to say next, you know? The the controllers, it's easy for us to take charge and to take control. Um, You know what? I I know that um, that when we take control, it's it's always something we have to deal with. Uh, You want want to be in charge. You, You want to be in control. This year, I, uh, I stopped and I took my wife to, uh, to the Family Life Conference, as Rhonda said earlier. I went down, I got on a plane, and in February, we went down last February to the Family Life Conference. And, you know, I was really hesitant to go to that thing. I thought, I am not going to group therapy. You know, that's the last thing I want to do. Hear a bunch of men crying, women crying. I don't want to see any of that. And I was so happy. I got there. There was no group therapy. Nobody was talking about their feelings, you know. I think my wife was like, when do I get to share my feelings? No, I'm just kidding, right? But, uh, you know, I was like, I'm not going to talk about my feelings. I want, I, you know, so I went down there and I, and I was like, you know what? I've told everybody else to go. I probably should go to one of these myself, right? And, uh, and, and I, listen, I didn't go because we thought we had a problem. We have a great marriage. But I went because great marriages only can get better. And I said, I'm going to go and take three days. So I took three days. Folks, three days to talk about my marriage. I haven't talked about my marriage for three days since I got engaged. You know what I mean? It's like three days. It was really cool. And what happens is, is, is in there they help you to understand this whole taking charge. And, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's so powerful. I, I, that, that art of marriage that we're doing, we were at that conference. We saw the art of marriage. And I said, hey, I'm going to get that. So what it is is I, I took the kit. We, we got this kit, and uh, we're going to work with the Family Life people, and we're going, to, we're going to do this little mini retreat, if you will, over at the Crown Plaza Hotel. It's right out here by the South Hills Village. Go online, register. I want to encourage you. Marriage, married people, come. Um, listen, it, it, this isn't for bad marriages, good marriages. This is for all marriages. So I want to encourage you to come on out and because one of the things that we struggle with is this temptation to be in control, that I have to take charge. And so this morning, that's really not what this point is about, but it was just on my mind. Forgive me. All right. So Luke chapter four, verse five, the devil took him up to a high place and showed him in all the instant kingdoms of the world and said to him, and so in an instant, he shows him all the kings of the world. And he says to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone who wants to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answers. How's the answer again? It is written. He goes back, and he's quoting Deuteronomy again. He goes to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 13. And he says, Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The temptation was bow down at this moment and I will give you everything. You'll be in complete control right now. And folks, I've watched people do that. They bow down to lesser things to become in control now. We do that. We, we surrender things so that we will be lifted up. And what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says that if, if, how do we be lifted up? It's not by me taking it. I am not lifted up by me taking it. I am lifted up by humbling myself. 
Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So if, if you want to be lifted up at work, you don't raise yourself up at work by cheating the other guy out, by making the other guy on the other side of you look bad. You, do, you, don't, you don't get better with your boss by making the other guy, oh, well, his paperwork didn't get in time, so he got mine instead. Uh, you know, in relationships, you, you don't want a relationship by cheating somebody out, by saying, okay, uh, I'm going to make the other person look bad. Listen, the way up is humility. The way up is down. So this is God's economy. He says, humble yourself, and then he will lift you up. God, I've watched this happen over and over again. God lifts up and exalts the people that are humble. The guy who thinks he has it all figured out, oh, he may be a flash in the pan, but he's just a flash in the pan. The guy that you don't know, he's over there, he's quiet, he's been working hard, and he's just trusting God, and he goes to work every day and says, okay, God, this is bigger than me today, and I'm going to trust you, and All of a sudden, you see him, and you look down the road, and you say, Wow, nobody even knew that guy's name. Nobody knew that lady's name. And look what God did with them over there. Wow, why? Because they humbled themselves in the sight of an almighty God. It wasn't about their work, 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 and look what I can do. It was about their God, and their God transformed, and their God elevated them. And, you know, we all want to honor. We all want to be honored. We all want to have an impact. And God does that with all of us. When we humble ourselves, he will lift you up. So you, you, want to, you want to have an impact at your work? You want to do well in your career? Humble yourself in the sight of an almighty God. You don't have to take these things. You don't have to take charge. You don't have to take control. Resist the temptation to grab the glory for yourself. Keep your focus on God. That's how we do it. You see, I've got to keep my focus on the giver, not these gifts. If I live my life going after these gifts, these gifts, these gifts, I will never find the giver. Come to the giver. God may or may not give you the gifts. If he gives you the gifts, worship, celebrate them. If he doesn't give you the gifts, worship and celebrate them. Because that's who he is. Amen? Uh, Our God is a great God. Temptation number three. Satan comes to him and he's saying, prove that your God cares. Prove that your God really cares. Hmm. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand, verse 9, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. This is Luke 4, 9. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now Satan comes and quotes Scripture. Kind of interesting. Um, folks, you have to be careful. You, I've had people come to me, and they'll make the Bible say whatever they want it to say. And that's what Satan did here. Satan knows the Bible. Satan, he's afraid of it. So he comes to the master. He comes to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he tries to tempt them. He says, for it is written. And what he was doing is he was quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And what he did was he took it out of context and he twisted it. Satan is the master of this, folks. You've got to come back to God. We have to come back to God all the time. Look what Jesus did. Jesus replies, It says, Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Do not do that. Get behind me, Satan. Get away from me. Do not test me. 
do not tempt me. And then the very next verse says that Satan left him. Satan left him and waited for an opportune time to come back. Folks, we fight this temptation constantly. You know what was happening here? The evil one was tempting us to rush a name for ourselves rather than to receive the name that God has given us. Read this with me. We are tempted to rush to make a name for ourselves rather than wait for the name God has for us. Wow. I, I want you to catch this this morning because I have a, I have a number of titles. A number of people know me through different, way, different, different titles, different means, right? Uh, I'm known as the child of God. And I want to write that down here because th- this, is, this is the most powerful name right here. The child of God. You are known as the child of God. This is the name that God has given you. You may not always feel this. You may not always um, live that way, but this is who you are. This is the name that God has given you. You are the child of God. Now, there's a few other titles that I have, and it's easy for me to rush those titles. Now, let me give you one. Here's, here's, here's a title that I have over here. I, I'm known as pastor. So uh, this is what I do, right? I'm a pastor. People call me pastor. There are times that I say, I'm not a good enough pastor. There are times that I want to rush this and be the best pastor. Like, do you know what your ego can do? You can live to your vocation. And you can say, I want to have the best pastor. I want to be the, well, not the biggest pastor, but the biggest church, right? You know? <laughs> I'm working on that one already, right? You, you, you want, you want to have like the biggest impact. You want to, you want, you, you know, when I go to conferences, why don't they ask me on that stage? Well, maybe if I worked harder, I'd be up on that stage one day. Oh, man, really? See, that's me rushing. That's me tempting. God, give me this wonderful ministry. I'm so happy here. Like, like this, this is my life. Like, God's called me. And every, there's new people come in here every Sunday. And, and I get so happy every time I meet you. And I, I met a few people Sunday after the first service on the way out. They're like, we came last week. It was our very first week. And I'm like, this is just incredible, God. But you know what? There's a part of me that wants to rush it. And how can we make and do me, me, me? God says, that's you. If that's really what you want, is that really what you want? Or, or, or do you want this? Do you want to be known as the child of God? I, I have a few other titles. I, I'm, I'm, known, I'm known as husband. You know? I mean, th- these are my favorite titles up here as husband. Man, I, I, I am so thankful for my wife. Be, before I'm known as pastor, I'm known as husband. It, it's, just, it's just a wonderful, like God's given me this. And it, this is, this is where, where I get to enjoy my life. I, I, I'm known as dad. Oh, man, I love this title. I mean, th- this is a powerful title. I, like, these, these two are my favorite titles. I, I, this one's okay. This, these two are, like, my favorite. Like, when you talk to your children, man, I lo- I've loved every bit of it. Like, coaching them whenever they were three years, you know, third grade. Now, they didn't necessarily like me coaching, but, you know, I, 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 we, we had some losing softball teams. I coached them, right? I was dad. I was known as softball coach. Didn't do too good at that. But, but you know, I, lo- I love being with my kids. I love talking to them. I love that as adults, they still want to talk to me. They still want, to, want, want my advice sometimes. 
You know what I mean? They, they, they still want to talk to you. And, and so it's like, wow. And, and so, so your dad, your husband. Now listen, I could go crazy on any one of these three titles to make my name. I can lose my mind. I've got to be the best dad. You know why? This is what Satan does. Satan comes to me and says, if you were such a good dad, you wouldn't. If you were such a good dad, you would do more. If you were such a good dad, you'd do this now. If you were such a good husband, well, if you would have been a better pastor, if you would have just visited that person, if you would have just been out every night this week, you know what? That's temptation. That's the same temptation you face with your job. The enemy comes to you and says, if you just work a little bit more, you'll make more. If you just sacrifice, your wife will be all right. You go for it. You just, you just, and listen, these things are all good. But none of them are the title that God gave me. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. And what God wants us to do is to wait on Him. We don't like to wait. We can't stand the microwave. Uh, the microwave being slow, right? It's like God says, I want you to wait on me. You know, think about the, the phone speeds, you know? I remember when 3G came out, then 4G, then 5G. We're all going to have tumors from it or something. I don't know. You know it's just like, it's, like it, it's just constant. Next thing after the next thing after the next thing. We're in this rush. We're tempted to rush to make my name. What is God's name for you? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I'm going to close with this verse here, Psalm chapter 20, chapter 33, verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. We don't wait in our strength. We don't wait in our power. We don't wait in our abilities. We wait in the hope of the Lord. He is your shield, not your power, not what you can do. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Folks, there's no joy in the hurry. The busy. (sighs) There's no joy there. The joy comes right here. We rejoice for we trust in His holy name because He is our hope. May your unfailing love rest upon us. O Lord, even as we pour out our hope in You. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. That's the only place where you will find rest. It's the only place where you will find hope is in Jesus. You can slow your schedule down. You can cut all activity out and still be hurried. Because it's not about your schedule. It's more about your heart. Jesus came and he died on the cross so that you don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be a slave to all those things that you think you're not good enough at. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and God will take care of your family. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He'll take care of your career. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. The temptation is for you to lift yourself up. 
for you to move the time of God to be your time. So today I invite you to trust Jesus. Let's start there. If you've not opened your heart to trust Jesus, would you call on Him? Oh, you may, you may know about Him and you may know all the vernacular, but do you really trust Him? Have you placed your faith? Like Jesus, you are the only way. There is no other way. Would you call on Him this morning and place your faith? Or just call on Him and say something like this, Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And I invite you into my heart right here, right now. And for others, what area do you need to slow down? What area do you need to not take the temptation and take matters into your own hands? Areas of control, areas of provision, areas of just being honored. Will you lay that at the feet of Jesus this morning? Father God, I pray you'll be with each person as we seek to slow down our life. We really do go faster when we go slower. If only Saul would have understood that whenever he made his hurried decision to try and take the kingdom, to try and protect, to try and do it all. But God, we can learn from him. We learn from the history that you've given us in your word. And we learn from the Holy Spirit who's here with us. God be with your people as we dismiss from here. In your name we pray. Amen. Today as you leave, there's a, there's a table out there to the left of the door. I had these out there last week and I have them again this week. I want to encourage you to make time to get in the presence of the Lord. Slow down and spend time with Him. There's a plan out there. One of these plans are free. Just take them five by five by five. And uh, that is five minutes a day, five days a week. The other one is five days a week. And you can read through the whole Bible this year. You can do the New Testament or the Old Testament or do them both. And you can get that uh, five days a week. It's out there in the foyer. There are also Bibles out there. The, the uh, Life Application Bible. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, please take one. They are free. Let's all stand together and be dismissed in a very unhurried manner. I want you to say hi to three people that you do not know today. God bless you. You are dismissed.